2: Hi, it's Neil Johnson. Welcome to today's 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. Remember, you can hear 2020 weekdays from 10am Australian Eastern Standard Time. Here's some very good news which brings together a generous entrepreneurial businesswoman and a range of passionate golden people committed to Christian mission around the world. This interview may well open up an exciting new chapter in your life because Lisa Tarzia is putting up 14 giving back grants totaling $100,000 if you have a mission passion. Emily Isham was the recipient of one of these $10,000 grants a couple of years ago which she used to fund a critical medical project in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Lee Hatcher spoke with both Emily and Lisa recently, finding out about the whole idea, seeing how it actually works, and it may just plug you into a range of new grants that are coming up for grabs. Lisa, tell
0: us where all this started.
3: Well, Mission Travel is a Christian travel agency. I've been in travel most of my adult life, um, but I became a Christian about 13 years ago after the birth of my first child. And I guess it was on a trip to Africa, my first trip to Africa in 2004 with a youth run aid and development organisation that I developed a real passion for the poor. And I came home and spent a lot of time praying and crying and doing all sorts of meditating about what God wanted me to do. And he made it very clear to me that, you know, I was a travel agent and that I was to use those highly practical skills for his purpose. And so the travel business kind of was born from that in 2006. And and in that process of, of, you know, ascertaining what mission travel looked like, whether it be a for-profit or a not-for-profit business, we decided to set the business up as a trust and, and that would enable us to do exactly what we're doing now that uh, when it got to a point where we could raise a, a substantial amount of money, uh, that we would give it away as part of our uh, part of our values.
0: To most people setting up a small business, that would be unthinkable. It's a very yeah. risky thing to do.
3: Yes, I guess so, but I think we just trusted that God would provide. You know, I have, you know, certainly many friends that say you could pay off your house yes. with that money. Um, but I just, I guess God just put it on my heart that uh, if we were going to go down the, the for profit uh, path, I'm a, I'm a highly motivated kind of person and I like to be able to look at something and say, yes, there's a, there's been a success here. Um, but uh, as a result of choosing to do it that way, There was also this very strong conviction to give away, uh, you know, a, a substantial proportion of the money that we would make.
0: Was there one thing or one moment in Africa that kind of dissolved you into those tears that made you really reassess your whole life?
3: Absolutely. I was walking along the beach in Durban. We had been in uh, in South Africa in the Valley of a Thousand Hills for, for almost three weeks and it was a very unsafe part of South Africa and so spending time on your own was virtually impossible apart from being in your own bed at night and I was very grateful for this walk along a, a fairly safe uh, beach in a, in a middle class uh, suburb of Durban and I was walking along with my iPod in my ears and just weeping and and reflecting on all the things that I had seen you know the ravaging effects of HIV and AIDS and, uh, and, and poverty in general and really crying out to God to say I'm going to go home I'm going back to my comfortable life you know what do you want me to do and I felt very strongly about selling my home when I got home and my husband said, you know, you're just going through a bit of a rough spot and come back to me in six months if you still feel that way. And six months later to the day, I said to him, it's been six months, I want to sell the house. And, wow. you know, there were many decisions that were made as a result of that trip um, that, that has led to this, I guess, in, in, in a funny way.
0: Take us through the range of grants that have been handed out so far, Lisa.
3: So far, well, we've only done this twice. This is the second time that we've done it. Uh, 2010 uh, was the first year that we did it, of which Emily was a a recipient. We basically have categorised the grants into experiences, scholarships and cash. So our overseas experiences, we are offering uh, a trip to the Holy Land, whether it be Israel or uh, Greece and Turkey or somewhere that's biblically significant, preferably for the pastor of a church or a, a theology lecturer, someone that can share that experience with others. We have the opportunity for people to visit their sponsor child, uh, something I've also done personally, where you visit it, you, you're visiting someone that you may have been writing to for a number of years and developed a relationship, and it really nurtures that relationship and takes it to a, a much deeper and more significant level, and it changes the way in which you communicate with that child for many, many years to come. Uh, with my passion for Africa, we have an opportunity for someone to volunteer in Africa for up to a month. And we're also trying to uh, get in with young people uh, that are you know, coming out of school and, again, asking God what it is that they want to do with their future. And so we have a $5,000 gap year grant for anyone that's completed year 12 this year or last year. And then we also have a $5,000 travel grant where we found in 2010 a lot of people have existing relationships and projects that they are already actively involved in and they need money for an airfare to get them somewhere. Um, And so we've created that new grant so that the cash grants that we're offering are used more significantly for the benefit of others in, in communities and in ministries.
0: Amazing opportunities. Now, as you said, one of these grants was awarded to Emily, who has quite a backstory with her case, fired up her mission passion. Emily, first of all, tell us some of your background, how you came to view the Congo.
1: Sure. I was very fortunate to be raised in the Congo when it was called Zaire. My parents were missionaries from uh, 1986 with Church Missionary Society, so I started growing up in Congo from about the age of one and a half And um, a lot of my close childhood friendships were formed with Congolese children. um, And I left at the age of 12. So a significant part of my childhood was spent there. And it was during um, the time of the Rwandan genocide. So we lived right on the border in a a town called Bukavu, right on the border with Rwanda. And so I saw a lot of things and experienced a lot of things that, I mean, not to the extent of, of children living there, but I certainly saw a lot more than the average Australian child would And that gave me my um, desire and my passion to study medicine. And we were able to leave when I was 12. We had to evacuate at the time. It was quite dangerous because a a lot of the war and the instability had moved across to Congo. I was very fortunate, along with my family, to be able to leave that situation at the time.
0: So for you, as happened with Lisa, Africa really got under your skin. Can you describe to us, give us a form of words which describes why that happens, how that happens?
1: It's like Lisa said, I suppose for some people it's experiencing stuff over in another continent like Africa mm. that really points out the unfairness of life and really highlights how blessed we are to be in a stable country that doesn't persecute Christians and that. Um, has a government that provides for people who are homeless or who don't have enough. Yes, there is a lot of suffering in Australia, but the suffering over in Africa is almost unjustifiable in this day and age. It's funny, because I talk to some people and they see the injustice and they don't like it, but it doesn't really affect them at a deeper level. Whereas for some people, like Lisa as well, it's really great that this is going on as we talk now. And and it, and it can it can be helped, you know, it's just, yes. it's, it's quite unfair. For me particularly, it was just seeing the amount of violence and the amount of malnutrition and, and illness that's occurring as a result of that.
0: And this grant gave you the opportunity to do something about that. Tell us where your money went in 2010.
1: Okay, well, for me, when I got back, I went to high school in, in country Victoria, and then I went to Melbourne Uni to study medicine. And I was very fortunate because the government allowed me to do that, and I didn't have any upfront costs to pay. Um, and then I was in contact with a lot of my friends overseas who were really wanting to study nursing and medicine and didn't have the capacity to pay for their tuition. Um, lecturers over in um, places like Congo are not paid by the government. They're only paid by their students. So if the students don't pay the fees, they they go home with nothing to provide their family with. So they have to, the students are eventually... Um, let go, they're not allowed to continue their studies, and, and the stories of, of these passionate, very bright, intelligent students having to quit studying um, really, really was a big burden on my shoulders. But that was always you know, in the back of my mind, and then when this grant came up, I, I sort of thought about it and pondered it for a while and thought, oh, you know, this idea is just not going to go anywhere. But I did pray about it, and it came to the 11th hour. I was going to bed at 11 o'clock one night. It was the, the last night of the grant being opened. Wow. It closed at midnight, and I decided that I would apply for it, and I got my application in it, I think, one minute to midnight <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> um, and and I can only say that God was, God's hand was very much in it. Um, it was by the grace of God that I won that I won the grant for this project, and he obviously wanted it to happen and wanted it to go ahead because there have been a lot of hurdles in the meantime and yet it's still it's still going and um, going on
0: well done it strikes me in our economies of scale how far money like this goes say mm. 42 dollars a month to fund a doctor's university fees
1: Yes, that's right. Well, I mean, if you look at the thousands of dollars we have to pay here and and to bring a Congolese student here to study, it would cost a lot more and they would be trained in a very different style of medicine and they wouldn't necessarily be equipped to serve their own country. And there's always been a problem of doctors leaving the poorer countries and nurses leaving the poorer countries and going to countries where they're better paid and there's a nicer lifestyle. My main aim and mission was to harness the passion and the bright. Students that we had over in Congo and train them in their own medicine to serve their own people. And in Congo, as you said, it's five hundred US dollars a year for a medical student to train, mm. and it's two hundred US dollars a year for a nursing student. So it's it's microscopic in comparison, and it's very affordable for an Australian to be able to pay that and um, sponsor that student through their studies.
0: Lisa, when you hear what Emily's been saying, how you're feeling?
3: Oh, it's fantastic. And, you know, the relationship with Emily has continued, whereby we have introduced her to another organisation called Entrust that has been over and uh, has helped facilitate the growth of the Mofunzo project, as Emily has called this. And uh, it's just gone from strength to strength. And so that, that seed money as it was has produced fantastic fruit in the last three years and it's just wonderful to see the momentum that I guess comes from those those small grants you know five and ten thousand dollars here in Australia is not a huge amount of money but as you said Lee the 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 things that can come from that in uh, different environments is wonderful and you know the grant winners were not just overseas we had a grant go to prison ministry network where they were um, enabling the children of female inmates to come and spend quality time with their mothers uh, we we bought a food van for the hungry in, in Brisbane. Uh, we had a Christian musician record uh, an intercessory CD that he was really wanting to focus on the healing of men. Uh, so there were many, many different things. We had a filmmaker who uh, produced a fantastic film raising the plight of asylum seekers and what causes someone to be desperate enough to put their children on a boat come to Australia with all the risks uh, that are involved in that so many many things have come from you know a small amount of money uh, and I think that if you invest in people and say we believe in you we believe that God has commissioned you to do this it's incredible how others will then rally around and continue to support it and build that momentum so that it, it becomes something way more than anybody could have ever imagined.
0: It is a great story of very good news so here's the big question For these grants that you're putting up this time, how long do people have to apply and where do they go?
3: Okay, the grant application process is on now. We will be closing it on Friday, the 25th of October. So there's a little bit of time. It's an online application on the Mission Travel website. So they need to go to missiontravel.com.au and follow the prompts to the giving back $100,000. I'm sure that'll be fairly easy for anybody to find. There are a a series of questions that we will be asking for different grant categories. And of course, we have given people the opportunity to be able to save the document. You know, Emily's story is quite fun and that, you know, she, she left it literally until the last hour. Um, but uh, you will have the ability to save the application and then go off and ponder or pray or, you know, there will be practical things like we will be asking people if we're going to give you $10,000, what's your budget? How are enough, you going yes. to spend that money? Yeah. Is it a sustainable program? Is it something that will benefit other people other than yourself? And so, uh, you know, a little bit of thought will need to go into it. So, uh, yes, there's a, there's a little bit more time until the 25th of October.
0: Lisa and Emily, thank you so much indeed for joining us.
3: Thank you, Lee. You're welcome.
1: Thanks for having me. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.